Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Unknown. Jason McClellan. I'm here with Maureen Ellsbury, Shane Hurd, and Ryan Sprague. Thanks for hanging out with us. Unidentified, the new UFO show on the History Channel, brought to us by Mr. Tom DeLong and his team at To The Stars Academy, premiered on Friday, May 31st. As we did with History Show Project Blue Book, we're going to be recapping every episode of Unidentified each week. We'll essentially provide an overview of the episode, followed by our individual thoughts and opinions. So let's get things rolling. First, Shane is going to provide us with the brief overview. So Shane, go ahead. All right. Thank you. So in December of 2017, the New York Times published a stunning front page expose about the Pentagon's mysterious UFO program called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or ATIP. Featuring an interview with a former military intelligence official and special agent in charge, Luis Elizondo, who confirmed the existence of the hidden government program. The controversial story was the focus of worldwide attention. Previously run by Elizondo ATIP was created to research and investigate unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAP, including numerous videos of reported encounters, three of which were released to a shock public in 2017. Elizondo resigned after with expressing to the government that these UAPs could pose a major threat to our national security and not enough was being done to deal with them or addressed our potential vulnerabilities. Now, as a part of history's groundbreaking new six-part, one-hour limited series, Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation, Elizondo is speaking out for, for the first time with Tom DeLong, co-founder and president of To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, and Chris Mellon, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense and Intelligence, to expose a series of startling encounters and embark on a fascinating new investigation that will urge the public to ask questions and look for answers. The series will reveal newly authenticated evidence and footage, interviews from eyewitnesses, and former military personnel who have never spoken out before. And finally, extensive breakthroughs in understanding the technology behind these unknown phenomena in our skies. That's it. Well, that sounds pretty exciting. And, you know, that's certainly something we got a huge taste of in episode one. Episode one really laid the groundwork of all that sort of briefly explaining to us a tip. And that's going to unfold more in coming episodes. Um, but really, I think what we saw primarily in this first episode, it focused on the Nimitz um, Tic Tac UFO encounter that we've heard so much about the past couple of years, and this happened in 2004, and the episode focused uh, mostly on Commander Fravor, right? Yeah, yeah, mostly Commander Fravor, uh, which, you know, a lot of us in the know have heard his story. He was all over the news when the article first broke in the New York Times, but uh, yeah, it was pretty, I, I for me, the most awesome thing about this episode was uh this sort of new witness that came uh a little out of the shadows they remained in the shadows in the episode but yeah pretty cool yeah that was the uh female pilot right that you're speaking of the wingman pilot yeah 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 that, yeah. that was awesome i what i thought about her testimony really was you know the the emotion sh that she showed behind it i mean you know you had fravor who's sort of the uh, the ace and the really experienced guy i think this was like one of her first first missions or whatever and right. um you know her perspective was wow this is pretty startling and you could tell it you know in the recounting of her story so i thought that really added some you know interest to the program 
That's got to kind of ruin your career for the rest of all time is one of your first junior missions. You see something so incredible and then you're waiting to see more and <laughs> yeah. it's probably uh, not coming that. your way again. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> not starting exactly what she expected. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. you're, you're right. It's hard to top that. She but, and um, she's still. I think she's still climbing the ranks too in the Navy. So for her to come forward with this and like the potential for her getting named at some point or leaked, like that's a big risk she's taking for sure. Yeah, and you can definitely see that in the episode they were trying to portray just how big of a deal uh, her testimony was and how pertinent it is that nobody reveals her name. Um, I know Luella Zondo was talking about, you know, don't even mention female pilot, her name within emails, correspondence to each other, just say wingman pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's call it good there. And I think that that's uh, definitely as we've seen in the past couple of years with all these WikiLeaks and Tom DeLong's email address uh, and his communication with John Podesta getting leaked, just how important it is to stay uh, covert in correspondence in regards to stuff not getting leaked to the public. Oh, yeah. Good point. Here's something I have to say about the, the wingman pilot, though, that, you know, is the likely scenario here. Because of who's doing this show, because of their connections, because they're trying to do everything on the up and up, it's my opinion that, you know, certainly they have the full permission of the Navy for the wingman pilot to participate. Because for an active duty service person to participate in a production like this, they have to get the okay from the DOD or from the Navy or whoever is that permission giver. So they've got to get the permission, first of all. Second of all, I mean, they don't really hide her identity that well, and there weren't that many people on this mission. I'm sure her identity, for the people who know, would be able to figure out who she is pretty easily. I mean, you could see her silhouette. They didn't hide her or hide or disguise her voice. So it's most likely people are going to know if they don't already know who that pilot is. That's, again, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So, Nobody ever, they never like really hide anybody's identification very well. It's right. always pretty visible who the person is. Right. It, it's because, almost like they want you to figure it out yeah. in some way. It's like a weird game. And that seemed to happen a lot with this uh, episode, I feel. We know how TV works too, right? I mean, TV's got to be entertaining and this is a, a mysterious, mm-hmm. dramatic show. So, it, you know, it's going to have some of those elements in it and that's, perfectly fine with me but again i don't think this is something that was done like in secret she's oh i don't want my superiors to find out i'm pretty sure she has full permission to participate in the show yeah and we've all had knowledge of her to to some degree you know for a while but it was kind of cool that the show was able to to you know present her and her story um and you know not that it was new, but it was it did add a little bit some some interest to to the story, especially again with her, you know, her other perspective. You know, she was there. Her perspective was different than Fravor. So I, I just thought that, it, it you know, kind of enriched the whole story. I think that's a good point is we know that there were four people who witnessed this and the Nimitz uh, event and having various perspectives, like you said, outside of Favor's um, opinion, that really strengthens the case that, that this was something really weird and anomalous. And there were various perspectives on seeing the object disappear when it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, that this was actually something really strange. And I think that with all the news articles that are coming out about this and so many varying opinions and the you know, social media, everyone's at war with each other about every little detail going on. Mm-hmm. Having uh, various perspectives of this is extremely important. I don't know yeah. if anybody watched um, Jeremy Corbell's interview he posted uh, mm-hmm. yesterday uh, from the McMinnon UFO Festival with mm-hmm. Fravor, which was, I think, a uh, a really good perspective hearing a full testimony of like a play by play of what happened that day. And, you know, obviously with unidentified, we're getting a brief clip of that and a brief rundown. Um, 
I I don't know. I think that they showed some important parts for the general public and, and we need to um, hear all sides. Yeah. Yeah. I I think even from like an investigative standpoint, of course, when you have multiple witnesses that strengthens the case. And what I was kind of interested in was that, you know, when Fravor, you know, they got on scene and he dropped down to try and get a closer look at this thing. But, her, she and her, her wizzo, they lingered like at 20,000 feet and were watching from above. So Fravor had the perspective of that thing even shooting across the nose of his plane while she was up above and witnessed this whole thing. So it's, you know, confirmation of, of the, you know, actual sighting and from two different locations at the same moment. You know, that, that's pretty powerful investigative meat to get your teeth into. Including the uh, radar operators on the on the uh, carriers too. I mean, they they were in communication with the pilots the whole time, and they were catching stuff on radar. So you have even more perspectives. Mm-hmm. Good case. Yeah. It is a good case, and and there's still so much more coming out about it. You know, this is causing a lot of journalism. You know, journalists are following this story, reaching out, finding new new elements of the story we haven't heard before. Um, Tyler Rogaway um, for The Drive is is doing some great stuff, uh, getting into some of the technical aspects of these radar systems that were in use at the time there. Um, so it's fun to watch all this unfold, and, and it's really challenging, even for you know people who actively try to follow this, this stuff and this case in particular. The information is just coming out daily at this point. So it's really fascinating, and I think... I, I hope anyway that people who watched this first episode of Unidentified and are hearing about this case for the first time um, kind of had their ears perk up and said, wow, this is this is fascinating. I want to dive in and see what more information there is about this because there's a lot of it. And you know what? I just remembered I was kind of running on a tangent there and spaced out, but you reminded me of my point I was going to make is nobody <laughs> is saying that this is an extraterrestrial craft. What people are saying is this is an unidentified object. And I think that's really important with all these news articles. You know, we're seeing people say, oh, well, now uh, the government admits UFOs exist. Well, the UFOs have always existed. It's just an unidentified object in the sky. I mean, that's the simple explanation. However, the whole, uh, the strengthening of this is people saying, we're not saying this is extraterrestrial in nature. This could be, you know, obviously some extreme tech we're not supposed to know about from another uh, uh, country, or we need to accept the possibility that it is a possibility that this could be from outside of our uh, earthly realm. Right. So I think I think that's one of the most important parts to stress, and that's bringing credibility back to um, sort of the UFO uh, community in certain sectors, at least, is we're fascinated by these. Yes, we also are fascinated by extraterrestrial life. Could this be that? Could it not? Let's find out. It's not saying the Navy just admitted UFOs are alien crafts visiting Earth and, you know, that's it. So, yeah, yeah, you got to identify the who, what, and where first, then the who and the why. Did I say that yeah. right? Who, or what, where, and when first, and then, then the who and why will follow. And, and you brought up a good point, too, I thought, that made the show good, Maureen, was that you could tell that uh, Lou was very measured in the words that he used. And, you know, it didn't look like it was scripted either. I mean, I'm sure there is loosely scripted, but, you know, they would pose these questions to him and you could see him kind of at times, you know, his eyes would flicker left or right or up or down where, where he, he he was really choosing his words carefully. And I think it's for, you know, the obvious reason is, well, I can't reveal anything top secret. But more than that is, you know, I have to make sure to be measured in a way that, 
you know, is credible. I'm not going to speculate beyond what we actually know. You know, that's for other people to do this organization and, and the, the people involved. This is, you know, serious as a heart attack and serious science is being done. And so the, that to me was the tone of the show. And I, I thought that that it was good for, you know, for UFO interested people and who have knowledge of the subject. And then even from the perspective of a new person coming in, and I'm not criticizing um, ancient aliens, but, you know, that that's a whole different game. You know, that that's really entertainment where this stands apart. This is this is serious stuff. And I, th- I think it came off as serious. What do you guys think? Yeah, absolutely, well, Shane. And I think, you know, the fact that they never use the word alien like once in the episode is very important. Um, the thing they did stress, I think, throughout the whole episode and uh, you could sort of see the undertones of it with key words they were saying throughout is uh, national security threat. Like th- that seems to be a big running theme with where to the stars is heading and Elizondo's involvement is this could potentially be a national security threat. So that kind of seemed to be the big overarching umbrella for me is what what are they trying to say with this show? And, uh, you know, with the Navy stuff and military and former Lockheed Martin members and all this stuff is is it a threat? Yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, was Fravor in his interview? He had mentioned that it wasn't his flight, but it was the ones that went after him um, during that Nimitz incident. That there was some sort of um, jamming on their signal, on their radar signal, and um, the, you know you have like passive and, and aggressive radar jamming, and I, I believe it was passive, but. Um, he made this statement. He said, and it was quick and short, but you could tell this was this is the military side coming out. He said, jamming a radar is an act of war. Just flat out. That's it. That's a bomb to drop right there. Jamming is an act of war. So from a military perspective, you can kind of see why, oh, this could be a threat. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Wow. Watch more carefully, Ryan. Apparently, I guess five times wasn't enough for me. (laughs) Wow. So, you know what? The first thing I noticed while watching this episode, and this is ridiculous. I'm being ridiculous, but they actually said uh, the Carl Sagan quote wrong. Oh, no. That was the very beginning of the episode. And, you know, because he said, would always say, you know, um, extraordinary Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence and they said extraordinary proof and i know for a fact that that is some other skeptic that would say that uh Um, and i don't know why it just like that was the first thing i heard (laughs) my ears were like it means the same exact it means the same exact thing so i'm being stupid However, it was something that like I immediately noticed watching the show. I was like, hmm. <laughs> maybe uh, Sagan finally copyrighted or something. Oh, yeah. maybe. <laughs> copyrighted it, however you say <laughs> that. Yeah. So I want to get into some of our individual observations, I guess, or, or some some additional commentary on some elements of this episode, some things we saw in this episode. But I think. For me, overall, something that I was really happy to see presented in this episode, and they presented well, was the stigma surrounding UFOs and, and the ridicule factor. We heard that from the, the pilots and certainly the, the wingman pilot. You know, She said, like so many pilots do, that she wasn't going to say anything because she didn't want to be considered a, a weirdo or you know be laughed at. Um, and with all of this, with the whole unidentified thing and all of the, the media that it spawned, all the articles we've been seeing and even the Navy, uh, you know, changing their procedures. It's a big push that we've seen now trying to destigmatize the topic of UFOs. And we saw that in the first episode. And that's probably the thing I'm most excited about with this whole effort. Like, yes, it's good to convince or, or demonstrate to the general public that UFOs are in our airspace. I don't know how people still don't understand that that is reality, but you know, I'm hoping that more people will understand that and look into it for themselves and say, wow, there really are things in our airspace that we have no idea what they are. 
but also to further destigmatize this topic so we can further the conversation and really explore UFOs the way they need to be explored. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. For me, Jason, uh, the thing I loved most about the show is we finally got to hear from Tom DeLong again. It's been so long since they've kind of given him a a platform or voice in in his own company. Um, so to like see him on camera explain like how, the inception of all of this, that was really cool. Like you could just see the excitement and passion. And I know yeah. you and Maureen have seen, seen that face to face. So I think for the audience, it was really cool to finally hear DeLong talk about how this happened. Um, and it's still up for debate, like who this aerospace person is that he – that kind of put this all into motion for DeLong. There's been a lot of like speculations and whatnot, but um, that was pretty interesting to finally hear Tom say, this is how this started and this is the path I'm taking. So that, that was really cool for me. I think yeah. you bring up an important part, uh, point there because you know so many people have said well is he a stooge you know um is he being fed lies to feed to the public to sort of distract from um what's really going on and i think you know george knapp came forward in the episode and, and answered that pretty point blankly and i think with a, a good point that you know he thinks that that tom has worked really hard to to carve his own way and path and and did it by doing sort of guerrilla marketing of uh, high-ranking officials, so, so to speak, you know, knocking right. on doors and, and really pushing to acquire all these people. Do we think that maybe there's some falsehoods that come out? Who knows? But um, is he a complete government stooge? No. Um, no. So I, I think that that was a good sort of sector of introducing Tom, but at the same time, you know, they they have sort of had him on the back burner because, you know, there is something bigger than what his fame is bringing to the project. And that's what the the whole purpose of the project is. And I think that it's kind of important to not just focus on him. So focusing on all these other people and kind of just bringing him in slightly and saying, Hey, you know, here he's working really hard to do this. This is the man that started this all, um, mm -hmm. bringing all these people together is an important way to do it. And I think sets the basis for the show to be on a bit of a more, uh, streamlined path of credibility, so to speak. Yeah, I thought one thing he said was pretty cool, too, is, is um, you know, he was talking about, oh, you know, the last show I did was in front of 100,000 people and the lights and the pyrotechnics and all of that. And he said, you know, I, I, I was gone for two years. I have a daughter two years old. You know, I, I just I needed a break. And he said, and this is what I thought was powerful. He just said, and the only other thing in my life I cared about was UFOs. I mean, I think that's actually a pretty good explanation of how Tom DeLonge got involved in this thing. You know, that kind of a person, personality that he has. I mean, he came up with Blink-182 as a 16-year-old kid, and look what he took it to. I mean, the guy has skills, right? Yeah. He might be a little rough around the corner, but like you mentioned, George Knapp said he just used good old-fashioned shoe leather. Yeah. You know, <laughs> knocking on doors and calling on the phone and emailing. And, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. And so... That's likely how he got his foot in the door is, you know, it was probably a timing issue. You know, people within when the, within the intelligence community were probably looking for a way to, you know, somehow move this information out. And he, he was the right guy at the right time and had the right resources and all of that. So I just, I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, as as uh, Jason and I know from the first time we interviewed Tom, uh, back in 2012. And if anybody hasn't watched that, I encourage you to go watch it because this was pre to the stars. He kind of had this um, website, Strange Times, which was just kind of um, taking articles from across the web, strange news and putting it together. But at the time, he had not even started this project. I think it was probably something he wanted or had an idea to do. But you hear him talk about how much work when he was on a tour bus nonstop, he was just like reading UFO book by UFO book um, and doing tons of research. So it's not like 
all of a sudden he decided to get into UFOs. It, it was, he is seriously passionate about this subject and talks about it very seriously, you know? Um, so I think that's dividing the musician personality of, you know, his really, I don't know if you want to say crass, but crass songs or, or what have you, uh, joking awesome around. Songs. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not saying they're, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but he can still talk very intelligently and seriously about a subject. And no matter your opinions on him, he's getting some things done and, and bringing the subject to the public's eye in a more serious light via baby steps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Bringing to light more than most UFO researchers ever had. So bravo yeah, to that. <laughs> That's right. And I mean, you know, that, that all aside, no matter what other people have done or continue to do, it's what he's doing and what he's doing is achieving something. So, you yeah. know, and that's something I think plenty of positive things are coming out of. We can speculate all we want or get conspiratorial about the quality of the information that he's receiving or, you know, the, the motives of the military participating in all of this. But bottom line, Tom's been able to bring this topic to the mainstream and generate a lot of mainstream media, that's great. We have conversations started. We've got uh, mainstream media outlets reporting on this, bringing in experts, really getting curious about the topic, and hopefully that's starting the fire under people's asses and making them say, hey, didn't really think about this before, thought it was all silly science fiction, but maybe there's something to this. So I think it's all fantastic. But- Back to the show, guys, I think being responsible journalists and looking at this show and the first episode objectively, I thought we should just kind of go through some of the things that maybe stood out to us the first time we watched the episode. I know some of us, Ryan, uh, watched the episode many, many times, Um, (laughs) but the so the very first thing when I watched the episode that jumped out to me was when we saw Politico journalist Brian Bender make his appearance. Mm -hmm. Because to that point, we had no idea that he was participating in this show. And Brian Bender had reported uh, multiple times on things related to ATIP and or to the stars. Um, And one certainly recently was about the story with the the uh, Navy updating their UFO reporting procedures. Nowhere in these stories did he do the journalistic thing and drop a note and say, full disclosure here, folks, I'm appearing on the show that we're, you know, that deals with the subject we're talking about right now. There wasn't, it wasn't any of that. It certainly wasn't until the show was about to premiere that, that he acknowledged like that he was going to be on it. But I thought that was a little maybe not so good when it comes to being a full disclosure journalist. No. And I mean, you look at the timing of all these articles and there's maybe coincidence, maybe it's press releases being circulated between history and all these news outlets um, to have sort of this unintentional but intentional promotion for the Mm -hmm. show. Um, for sure. And yes, I think that Brian Bender should have absolutely disclosed that he was going to be appearing on that show. But at the same time, you know, if you're trying to write about a subject and be objective and you tag that on, it's, (laughs) Mm. that leads also people to maybe not take the article as seriously. I'm not sure. So I don't know what his motives were with that. Um, I haven't, done too much research, but I know that there is a lot of people asking about the uh, timing of the release of these announcements. And, you know, in my opinion, I'm going to be honest, I don't really give a fuck. I mean... (laughs) What was that? Can you repeat that? (laughs) You notice I I said it, but I said it very quietly for some reason. Uh, I swear like a sailor. Um, You know, it's... And because of that, this episode will be tagged as explicit. So (laughs) the the gates are open. No, this show is regularly explicit. (laughs) Okay, okay. It's probably mostly my fault. But uh, no, I... You know, it's it's out there. 
And mm -hmm. these are things that are happening. And right. I don't care when the media tells me they're happening. They're It's happening. Um, and look, look, here's the thing. I think it's pretty much acknowledged that all of these articles we're seeing are an organized effort oh, yeah. no by the part no of To the Stars. And yeah. because they reference things that are directly tied to Unidentified, including naming the show itself, these are, and, and Tom DeLonge has publicly said, I'm responsible for all these articles coming out. And I believe that, and I think it's smart. It's certainly, you know, Maureen and I are professional marketers. This is what we do, and this makes marketing sense. They, because of their reach too, you know, Tom's been able to, Tom and company has been able to reach out to key individuals and help make things happen. And when you can reach out to journalists at mainstream media outlets and say, hey, look, here's what we have going on. Um, this is something that you might be interested in looking into. I suggest contacting this person. And then you get a story that way, right? It's not like the Navy issued a press release and sent it to all the media outlets just randomly and said, attention world, we're going to update our UFO reporting procedure. <laughs> that didn't happen. What happened is a journalist, most likely Brian Bender, reached out to the military spokespeople and said, hey, just curious about your UFO reporting procedure. And that prompts a response. And then it becomes a story. That's how these things work. Right. So it's not nice. something that the Navy did just on its own because it felt like talking about UFOs. Unless they have a larger role in this whole show that I am not aware of. <laughs> yeah, always a possibility. A, always a possibility. A good point, Jason. They, uh, I mean, Mike DeMonte, you know, did the due diligence and reached out to uh, Ralph Blumenthal, right. you know, the originator of the New York Times article. And he, I think he also wrote this current New York Times article, too, right. if I'm correct. Right. And, you know, Blumenthal himself says, no, we had no concerted effort to market to the stars or anything. It was in the timing. And uh, I, I but I, I do struggle with that. Like I at least someone within the New York Times was privy that that clearly that the show was going to be coming out in a week or so. And what better time to throw another UFO article out there? So well, I and think, look, you're exactly I right. Obvious, I mean, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't mean they were doing it, you know, intentionally to help promote a TV show like you can you can say that. And yes, that's not the intent of the article. Yeah. And people do this all the time. I mean, you write news stories, you write articles because of their timeliness. There is a TV show on History Channel yeah. that is happening now. It makes sense to write a story related to that when there's a bigger story you can, you know, make relevant to that whole thing within the time period. That makes sense. That's how stories are done. Yeah. So I, I see his comments, but at the same time, that's not saying we weren't influenced by To the Stars. So. Yeah, and it goes both ways. Like yeah. the the authors of these articles win too. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. when a UFO show is about to go out to the mass public, like let's get clicks on our website by doing a UFO story. It, it works in tandem, and that's how it's always been. So it's not like this is anything new. And that's how it's always going to be too. Right. right. <laughs> let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. You know, one thing that that kind of bothered me about the Navy reporting article mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is. This is not the first official government branch that has had procedures for reporting UFOs. That's been going on forever. You can find mm -hmm. manuals from back in the day of how to report that. So, mm -hmm. but the way it was presented, I think right. a lot of public people thought this was the first time right. that mm -hmm. this is happening within the government outside of, you know, that we had official programs investigating, but it's how these different branches were to report Right. Their own sightings. And, and as we know, people who follow this, that's the rub, right? Yeah. And media outlets report things so wrong all the time. Their headlines are so wrong all the time. They present these incredible stories in a completely wrong light. They, they make claims that aren't what the story is actually sta stating. So we saw that so much. You're right, Maureen, with this Navy story where so many out outlets were making that bold claim with their headlines that this was the first time that anybody had ever done this. You know, well, yeah, no. 
if you would even read what the whole story is about, the Navy said that they were reworking their procedures, which means yeah. they already had procedures. Yeah. It's not an update. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Uh, yeah. In terms of Elizondo, um, I think Bender kind of made a mistake in saying this in the show, my personal opinion. He called Elizondo a, an enigma. And that kind of that really rubbed me the wrong way because everyone right now wants to know who Luis Elizondo is, why he's in charge of this new investigation with to the Stars Academy and just exactly like what he has done. And we did get some, you know, some experience. Elizondo's clearly worked in counterterrorism and all this other stuff. But calling him an enigma, that really that made me very hesitant to follow him. On, on like this as our lead investigator or protagonist for the show. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? It was an odd way to paint him for sure. Yeah. It's mysterious and cool, but at the same time, like there's so it's much like, controversy with Elizondo right, right now. Right. Too. Already. So, so to come out in the show and say, yeah, I don't know what to make of this guy. <laughs> it's, it's weird to say that in the first yeah. episode yeah. when like you're introducing us to who we're going to trust for the rest of like, the history of To the Stars Academy, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I agree. Here is another thing along those lines. So I believe it was Lou in the episode who stated this about Chris Mellon. He said that he was aware of who Chris Mellon was, and he viewed Chris Mellon as the, quote, guy who knows all the secrets. So mm. Chris Mellon, here's another guy with To the Stars now, and he's the guy who knows all the secrets, yet Chris Mellon... And Lou and others and other military people are seeing on the TV now through all of these media uh, stories that have come out saying that we don't know what these things are or we don't have any more information. You know, I think a lot of well, not a lot of there are certainly people out there that are, you know, picking and choosing what they want to hear from these government or former government individuals. Right. I mean, they're 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 wanting to to see these people talking about, yes, UFOs exist is yay aliens. But and and yay, they're going to give us all the answers and disclose all the secrets to us. But at the same time, these same people are telling us directly, we have no idea what this is. Hmm. It is very contradictory, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, like a lot of these investigations that uh, we might see in future episodes uh, is supposedly stuff that ATIP worked on. So it's like, all right, they investigated it during ATIP. So are is this a in continued investigation or is stuff still classified within ATIP so they can't touch on it in this new endeavor? Right. It's, it's all really weird and there's so much red tape and like what they can do, what they can't do. And what like Mellon is saying and what uh, Elizondo is saying, it's all very enigmatic. I think, again, coming back to what they called Elizondo, all of this is like wrapped in a weird, weird secrecy sort of thing. So well, I don't know. And look, that, that's also interesting, too, because, right, Lou says that he left his position because he was frustrated by the keeping this all a secret and, you know, wanted people to know this information and wanted to like, you know, get the investigations going and all this stuff and get the information out. But at the same time, you know, people, and again, I don't, don't think this argument is, is a valid one. People are grumbling about to the stars, you know, producing this TV show and having these supposed answers or information they're presenting, you know, months and months and months ago when they made the TV show and not releasing it to the public, right? That's silly. I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with putting it in a TV show and releasing it that way. That's just fine. But at the same time, there's still a lot of information, at least presentation, that there is this secret information that they probably hold but aren't going to release or can't release. You know, this big, big secret window around everything. I mean, even in the show, they talked about, you know, a secret senators being briefed off the record. There's no record of this happening, but they were briefed but we can't know who they were when this happened or what was discussed. But that's, I mean, part of TV, we know, too. Yeah, yeah. I exactly. mean, that's exactly. keeping the that's hype the alive and making the intrigue and mystery. Yeah, it's just, that is what it is. And and personally, yeah, I suspect we'll get 
pieces of information and not the whole picture because like they said there's so many things that intersect with things that are still top clearance that you know the public can't know and yeah again like you said putting the stuff in a tv show some people are like why are they doing it that way but this is the way public digest information in this day and age so why not yeah Um, Yeah. and then you know it's it's like personally i feel like uh, looking at melon he i feel like i'm i've broken curfew and he's gonna <laughs> get me in trouble <laughs> I, I mean like I, I i look at that guy and there's something about him where i'm like i don't know what what he is but he seems tough on crime and like i i, I maybe believe what he's saying yeah <laughs> he gave elizondo a glance in, in one like one small <laughs> clip and i was like whoa he either yeah. just pissed off Elizondo or he was telling him like a million words in that one look. It was yeah. it was incredible. I like him. He kind of reminds me of like someone in like an espionage thriller. Right. I, 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 I don't I know really why. I really him. I like him. <laughs> oh, me too. I, I think he's very credible. When you look at his um, background, of course, Mellon, you know, that family that, yep. you know, for generations pretty much built this country. And then, uh, you know, then he uses his life and service to his country. And and then now and willing to bring this information out. I mean, I think that's impressive. And he's got the coolest voice, too. I don't know. I thought so anyway. But I find him very believable. <laughs> so we're all mesmerized by Melon. Yeah. By Melon. Yeah. <laughs> a new fan the club. Hour. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think we just started a, a Melon fan club. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm but I'm also still terrified of him. I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the possible military involvement in this show, because that's something that shouldn't surprise anybody, because most of the time, not necessarily all of the time, but most of the time, there is any sort of... Hollywood production, a TV show, a movie, a documentary, or anything like that, that features the military, the DOD has to sign off on it. They have to be involved. They sort of have say in, in reviewing the script and, and, you know, making changes if they don't approve of how they're going to be presented or, you know, certain things that are going to be said. So that's certainly, certainly true in a lot of movies. We know that with Independence Day, uh, the military refused to participate in that film because of various things, one being Will Smith being married to a stripper and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the mention of Area 51 and, and things like that that uh, they weren't, weren't fans of. And they said, you, you change that or we're not going to participate. The creators wouldn't change it, so the military didn't participate in that film. So this happens. And there are entertainment offices in L.A., um, I think led by the DOD where productions have to go through them and they participate and provide, you know, footage of, of, of things or, or they actually get permission to go on ships and film aircraft flying and things like that. You can't just do that and not have their okay. This being said, so, so, so in the, in the episode, we do see a lot of, a lot of Navy footage, right? We see the, the, the carrier fleet, we see the Nimitz, we see fighter planes, and that's fine. I, I think you can do that without getting any permission or going through uh, DoD channels because there's something called stock footage, and you can get stock footage from the military and from other sources and use that in your production. However, we also see in this episode footage of Commander Fravor flying his plane. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know, unless there's a really crazy stock catalog that's got every officer from the military, like <laughs> by name that you can just search. And I want footage of this guy flying his plane. Um, they probably went through official channels and had to get the OK to be able to use that footage in this production. But I mean, like a lot of the what we're seeing in the footage and what we're hearing from these you know, high ranking people and or military or Navy officers is stuff that's already been declassified. It's just expanding more on things that are already public. So, I mean, in my opinion, uh, and maybe I'm just not surprised by anything anymore. So I'm missing new things, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I could see them reviewing that footage and, and 
what's being said and saying this is fine. You know, the public already knows this in some respect. So we'll give the okay on this. But, I mean, do I think we're going to see some sort of alien body come out of a government lab sponsored by the DOD? No. Oh come on, Maureen! I'm holding out. That's going to be that's going to be the final episode. I know it's oh, yeah. coming. Such a yeah. pessimist. He, 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 that's the season cliffhanger. <laughs> but the last Can thing I'll say, the, well, the last thing I'll say about the yes, the Navy sir. possible participation is that if you watch closely, there is one scene where, like, one of the camera guys is wearing a backwards hat, and the hat is a Navy ship hat. I saw that. Mm. Yeah, dun, there's dun, all dun. these little subliminal things. Yes, you know, I I don't I hate guys I hate getting conspiratorial, but <laughs> I know. It, this episode to me screamed like NSA, like or national security. Um, we've heard very early on that DeLong, you know, he told the UFO community even like read between the lines, guys. I'm trying to get UFO information, but there might be a bigger agenda to all this. And I'm starting to feel that way. There was so much talk about Russian hacking, uh, Al-Qaeda, terrorists. These things could be a threat. We're not saying they're aliens. They could be a threat. They could be another nation. It just screamed military to me that this is some somehow promoting this idea that there is a national security threat with UFOs and we have to like be ready for it, whether that's in the air or in space, like who knows? But I did get that from this episode. I did. Well, and a lot of things that the military does participate in are, they do essentially wind up being recruiting films. Um, Battleship is a a film I love to point to because that was just a piece of crap movie, but it it was an (laughs) alien movie yet. It was just an, overtly just over the top navy recruiting film um top gun too yeah obviously yeah yeah Yeah. and i mean their their statistics show that after top gun came out their their enrollment went way up but i mean this shouldn't surprise anybody if this is actually you know a, a component of all of this because tom said from the start like when he went in and talked to these people that's something that he was telling them he said i want to change the public's view of the military with regards to UFOs. The military is viewed as the bad guys, and I want to change that. Yeah, yeah. He's been saying it from the start. So, like, if that's what this all boils down to, like, people should not be upset when they realize, like, this isn't just about, you know, finding little green men or solving the UFO enigma. It's, is this a threat, and what can our military do to stop it? So, I I, I get it. Yeah, and again, it goes back to, you know, what the last 70 years and the stonewalling that we've got from, from the military. And, you know, what stands out to me too, is the deafening silence from the air force. Why is this all Navy now? Never heard from the Navy before. Now it was all air force. Now you're hearing nothing. I mean, you know, there's the stars didn't ask them to play. (laughs) Right. That's season two. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they have like, Project yeah. Blue Book show on history now. They had Project Blue Book. That's Can't right. Double, double dip. So, like, so guys, we need to ask like where, where where the Marines is. Where's the, where Marines? the Marines? Yeah, I was gonna say it's like dating um, one person to make someone else jealous. So we're dating the Navy now. <laughs> now the Marines are gonna get jealous and want to get in on it. Who knows? <laughs> I will say when Lou brings in the two former pilots to review the Tic Tac footage. One of those pilots, the pilots who, who was the fighter pilot and not the commercial pilot, was a former Marines pilot. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, in, in that Nimitz so case. they're showing some the, love. The, Absolutely. The, the exercise that they were doing out there for that period of time, they, it was actually, you know, a good guy, bad guy, red team, blue team exercise. And it was the... Um, marine pilots who were the bad guys in that exercise against the good guys, the Navy guys. I mean, you know, there's no, there's no oh, doubt. Pick, there's picking no on the Marines here. fingerprints on everything about this. I mean, and how could there not be? Cause really they're the holders of the information, right? They're the ones that have the footage. They're the ones that have the experiences. You know, we think they're credible because they're, their military encounters and, you know, you know, the sensors and the data that they have. I mean, to think any of this is is not, you know, it doesn't have a military finger in the pie. You're crazy. That's what it's all about. 
I mean, whether it's a, you know, a PR move, whether it's, you know, um, a genuine threat or are they setting us up later for some kind of, you know, different viewpoint of the military or of aliens or whatever? We don't know that yet. But I mean, clearly there's a purpose and intent behind this. But for now, we're getting information that we didn't get for 70 stinking years. I mean, I think that is awesome. Whatever the motivation is, that I can't say. But take what we're getting, you know, and, you know, not not necessarily have to be satisfied with it. But, I mean, this is what's different. We're, you know, we're experiencing something that hasn't happened, you know, since this whole thing began. So, I mean, I'm, you know, they've got my attention, that's for sure. Yeah, my final thought on the on the show on Unidentified and certainly the first episode, I liked it. I like the information presented, um, you know, it's very, very cool, very dramatic, um, and they're building us up. I'm just super curious to see what is coming as we progress in this series. So I'm liking it so far. I will continue watching and, uh, you know, happy they're doing what they're doing. And my my ultimate favorite thing, maybe not my favorite thing, but certainly <laughs> something that I enjoyed seeing and hearing was that in this show, of course, we have original music by Tom DeLonge. Yes. <laughs> I don't even think I noticed music. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but. <laughs> it's just a bed. It's just a bed. It's just instrumental stuff in the bed. And then uh, in the credits, you'll notice that it's, nice. it's Tom DeLonge, of course. <laughs> I'm going to have to relook at those credits and see if they acknowledge the military or not. They did yeah. not. They did not, huh? They did not. Oh, they they, okay. they did have an interesting little comment that says something like... Servicemen report no, their UFO reports they, no. they certainly included a thing for, for service people to report UFO sightings, but they also included a comment about how, like, inclusions of some things don't mean or do not mean that uh, the DOD endorses it or something like that. Oh, Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I think that, too, though, that that point about having that little serviceman can submit UFO sightings here stresses a strong possibility of a second season. Right. Uh, Because likely the first six episodes have or at least the first three episodes have already been filmed. So at this point, I'm all six have all six have been all six have. They've already had their rap party. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. What I'm saying, basically, is that's a strong suggestion right. to say, hey, if you submit enough material that we have some good stuff to go off of. <laughs> good observation, Maureen. Then we yeah. would push forward with this. Yeah. Oh, Maureen, that's a good point. Can I add one more thing? I saw yeah. in, like, the final moments where they were kind of teasing what comes next, I caught an image of a guy named Larry Gessner, and he was actually a UFO witness, the first ever witness I interviewed for Open Minds, which was, I was so cool. I was going to say, I know, I, yeah, I know of Larry, and... Crazy story he has. Yeah, and awesome close encounter experience he had. So to see that he was interviewed for this show um, only lends more credibility, I think, to his case. So it sort of came full circle for me, having been my first ever thing I submitted to Open Minds. And now that's cool. like to see him into the stars. It's so cool. So I look forward to seeing that. Yeah, yeah. I think this this episode premiere episode was a big setup, so to speak. It's like totally here's the seriousness of of sort of our our pillar we have here here's this awesome case we've already released the footage for that everyone does not know what this is still and now we've got five more episodes to sort of really capture the public's interest so i'm intrigued at least a little to say the least uh to see where they go with it yes and we should create a drinking game now and we can look for any time Chris Mellon gives the look. Oh, the get look. A drink. <laughs> Be wasted every time I watch that show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a look, I'll have to admit. Well, citizens, as we wrap up this episode, I invite you to come join us in the Rogue Planet Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Rogue Planet. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the premiere episode of Unidentified or anything else UFO related that's on your mind. June has finally arrived, and that means we're just a few weeks away from AlienCon LA. 
Ryan and I will be speaking at AlienCon LA, which takes place June 21st through the 23rd at the Los Angeles Convention Center in Los Angeles, California. Let's take a look at what Ryan and I will be up to at AlienCon. Ryan, you want to run through your itinerary? Yeah, absolutely. So Friday, the first day, I'm doing a UFOs and podcasting panel with a bunch of other paranormal and UFO themed podcasters out there. So that should be a lot of fun. Jason, we're pulling you into that one, whether you like it or not. Um, What else do I have? I've got a live recording of Somewhere in the Skies on Friday and also my solo presentation, Humanizing the Alien Phenomenon. Uh, Saturday, Jason and I are doing an experiencer meetup, which will be really cool, where anyone and everyone can talk about experiences they've had in a safe place. Um, Also Saturday, I'm doing a panel discussion with my co-investigator on Roswell Mysteries Decoded. So we're going to talk about all about our investigation into Roswell, what comes next, and, and all that good stuff. Uh, what else do we have? Jason and I are doing 10 notable UFO events, uh, a live recording of that, which will be really cool, a panel. And um, then Sunday is the live recording of Unknown. So if you want to elaborate on what you're uh, doing, Jason, that'd be Yeah, great. yeah, for sure. So on Friday, I'm going to be joining you for live recording of Somewhere in the Skies. And I believe that uh, we may do a uh, a theme or a topic of the power of witness testimony so that is a great opportunity for people who in the audience who want to share their stories with us their personal sightings or encounters or anything and have those be included on the show that's always fun when we get the audience interaction there so that's going to be a good one for that um on saturday morning be on an interesting panel called Envisioning a Post-Disclosure World, and that's always an interesting one. It's moderated by Stephen Bassett, and it includes Rich Dolan, Alejandro Rojas, and Paula Harris. So that will be interesting, and it always pulls a, a big crowd. People love hearing about disclosure and, and now post-disclosure. So that'll happen Saturday morning. Also doing... so. The 10 notable UFO events Ryan and I are going to cover in our presentation, not going to spill the beans on those yet, because, of course, you've got to come to the lecture to hear that, but (laughs) they're going to be 10 notable UFO events from the past 20 years. So we're not going to be talking Roswell as much as I want to talk about Roswell. We're not talking Roswell. We're not talking any of these classic cases. We're talking about relatively new things, UFO events from the past 20 years. So that'll be fun and different. Um, Something I'm looking forward to, this might be the most fun I'll have all weekend, but I'm judging the costume contest on Saturday night. And if that weren't cool enough, I get to do it with Paul Hynek and Robert Picardo. (laughs) So me, Paul Hynek, and Robert Picardo are going to judge the costume contest. So I am really excited for that. (laughs) And then on Sunday, Ryan and I are going to do the live recording of Unknown. And when we do that, I believe the theme we're covering is something we mentioned in this show, and that is the ridicule factor. So we'll certainly be talking about how, uh, you know, talking about the, the stigmatized topic of UFOs and how, if at all, that's been changing. So excited for that. I hope you guys can make it out to Alien Con. Again, Shane and Maureen will be there too. We'll try to drag them into some stuff. We're going to try to do a meetup and we'll post information about that wait, wait, wait. soon. Yeah. But isn't, isn't, didn't we decide we're going to be doing this Friday night meetup? Yes, yes, we are. I'm so going to post that we information. Be talking about that yet? <laughs> if you have the information handy, we can certainly talk about it, but we'll certainly uh, post it on Facebook. I mean, it's, it's that uh, we're going to be joining a bunch of other podcast groups, basically the podcasting panel, correct? Yeah. And uh, it will be at, uh, what's the name of the bar? It's oh, like a Star Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So it's like kind of a, a geek theme bar in Hollywood. It's a geek bar in Hollywood. Yeah, it's total Star Wars theme. Uh, it looks rad. So oh wow. Yeah. And we will be there, drinking and talking and hanging out. So everyone should meet up. Who's there? We'll can be we the weird ones talking about of, UFOs. Yeah. And can we expect a little bit of swearing like sailors? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. 
if anybody wants to buy me a drink, I will be sure <laughs> to utter their cuss word of choice as many times as possible. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> I shouldn't set myself up for that. That was that no, too no. Late. You, you, too yep, too late. Yeah. Well, you could you could check out thealiencon.com for all the details about AlienCon, and if you haven't grabbed your tickets yet, use the code UNKNOWN to receive 10% off your purchase. You can find more episodes of Unknown on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider so you're notified when we publish new episodes, and if you haven't done it already, do us a big favor and take a minute to rate and review Unknown on your favorite podcast platform. You can always find this show at RoguePlanet.tv because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange. Big thanks to our talented friend and fellow Rogue Planeteer, Caleb Hanks, for the show's intro and outro music. Check out all his work at TheClerkChronicles.com. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm Marie Nelsbury. I'm Ryan Sprague. And I'm Shane Hurd. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And, of course, stay strange. Stay strange.